Welcome to the Sunset Community Church podcast. You're listening to sermon audio from our Sunday morning services. For more information about Sunset Community Church, visit us online at sunsetcommunity.church. Well, it is our last Sunday on the lawn. I remember when we did this last year because we had to, and this year we chose to do it. And last year it was after not meeting for four months, and a lot of the rhetoric that I was hearing around uh, the country was, church is closed. And we're like, wait a second, is church a thing that opens and closes? And I remember when we first met out here last year, it was a great example that church is not a building or a business. And we were able to look across the street and say, church building, church, church building, church. So go ahead and this morning, turn to somebody this morning and say, you are the church. So next week, where are we going? We're going in the church building. But the church has been on the lawn for the last month. And it's been a, a fun time, a sunburning time for me personally. Um, it doesn't matter how much sunblock I put on or how much I try and perfectly evenly tan myself. I just burn. So that's one of the things I've learned, uh, a spiritual lesson I've learned this, uh, this summer. Uh, this morning we're going to look at uh, a passage from the, the book of Ephesians uh, chapter 1. So go ahead and open your Bibles there to Ephesians chapter 1. We'll be starting in verse 3. Ephesians chapter 1 starting in verse 3. And the, the heart of the message today is God's redemption for you. God's redemption for you. Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 3, I'll be reading through verse 11. I'm reading from the New Living uh, Translation. It says this, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. Amen. God had a plan. Say that with me. God had a plan. And you can't mess it up. I can't mess it up. God had a plan and you can't mess it up. Now, you can choose to reject God and his plan for your life. You, you can choose to reject his kindness and keep him at arm's length. But here's the beautiful thing. You can always, at any time, in any moment, be included in his plan. In the passage we just read, there's this word that's very personal for me. The word is adoption. It's personal for me because my wife and I have grown our family through adoption. We've adopted two of our kids, our youngest daughter and our youngest son. 
Adoption for, for God is his plan to bring you into his family. Look back up at verse 7 in what we just read. I, I read from the New Living Translation, but most translations will take the phrase that I read, he purchased our freedom, and they boil it down to one word, redemption. Say that word with me, redemption. My hope this morning is that we'd all come away with a clear understanding of the powerful redemption of God. Because no matter how many times you've messed up, no matter what you think about your future, God had a plan, a plan of redemption, and he wants you to be a part of it. And that's my hope this morning is, is if you just rolled out of bed into church, if you're watching online, no matter where you are in your life, no matter how poor you are, how rich you are, how lost or addicted you are, how successful and prosperous you are, that you would understand the redemption of God and that he has invited you to be a part of it. And so I'm gonna pray to that end this morning. Lord, I ask, no matter what, that the words that resonate in our hearts this morning would be your words. Your words from this passage we just read in Ephesians. Your words from your spirit that stirs us up inside. This morning, Lord, as we're gathering here on the lawn, that you would do something miraculous in our hearts. That we would see you for who you are. That we would be called into your purposes and your plan. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. When you think about stories in culture, whether it's a book that you've read or a movie that you watch, almost every story has this kind of arc of redemption to it. it. You meet a character at the beginning of this story of redemption, and as the story goes on, this character begins to change. In some stories, redemption looks like the story of someone who's known for being evil turning good. When I was a kid, the movie Star Wars were one of my favorites. And at the very end of his life, Darth Vader, who was only known for being evil, his very presence in the room had a theme song, right? An evil theme song. The very end of his life, when, chose, when faced with the choice to do one final act of evil or one final act of good, he chooses miraculously to do good. The arc of redemption in his life ends with one final act of justice. In in some stories, the, the stories of redemption are of a person who struggles with their own inadequacies and their own weaknesses, but somehow overcomes those to be a part of something amazing. The stories that were written by J.R.R. Tolkien about the Lord of the Rings captures this so well. A small person named Frodo Baggins struggles with his own weaknesses and own inadequacies, his own fears. But in the end, the arc of redemption in his life leads to something powerful and freeing for an entire world. In other stories, uh, redemption involves freedom from oppression. The story of the Hunger Games captures this as Katniss Everdeen willingly risks her life to try and stand up against an oppressive system. So redemption's everywhere in our culture. We see it told over and over again in our stories. In some ways, it's almost predictable, right? How many people watch movies and read books where the characters fail at the end and go down in a blaze of sin and evil? Those stories don't capture our hearts. 
The theme of redemption has always been in our culture, but it has ancient roots, more ancient than what we see in pop culture. Redemption is a thoroughly biblical theme. And this theme of redemption is powerfully demonstrated from the opening pages of the Bible, and it is carried for, forward to the very moment that you took your first breath. And then it shows itself later as you walk out in your life and you utter your first lie as a child. Redemption is a part of all of our stories in one way or another, but its foundation is in the scriptures. So let's give this word redemption a bit of definition. Simply defined, redemption is deliverance from a bondage, a release of someone or something from a foreign power that has a claim on it. So when Darth Vader chooses to use his final action of his life for good, in that moment, he is finally freed from the power of evil that had run his life. And you know the backstory. If you know the backstory of his life, he had made room for that evil when he was a young man. So his story of redemption ends as that, that power of evil is broken. Or when Frodo Baggins casts the ring into the fires of the volcano, he participates in the redemption of Middle-earth, freeing it from the evils that were going to overtake it. From a biblical perspective, redemption is the action of saving or being saved from sin, from error, like mistakes you make, or from evil. Oswald Chambers says this, when Jesus Christ shed his blood on the cross, it was not the blood of a martyr or the blood of one man for another. It was the life of God poured out to redeem the world. This morning, I want you to consider what redemption might look like in your life. Right now, where you are at in the story of your life, is, is your life arcing toward redemption or is it arcing backward toward sin and evil ways? You might not be Darth Vader, but maybe right now you are currently living in a way where sin is what covers you. It's what defines you. Your first response toward people is to use them, to lie to them, to make yourself look better, to coerce those around you so that you can get what you want. Maybe that's you. Or maybe you feel like your life is less about being willfully clothed in sin, and more about just being stained by it. A bad decision here, a lapse of judgment there, a hook of addiction you just can't seem to shake. Life for you may have moments of joy and peace, but sometimes you're just expecting that any moment you're about to mess up and the stain of sin will be what reflects back in the mirror when you look at yourself. Or maybe you can't relate to either of those two examples. Maybe your life just feels like it's been predetermined for you. It's always been hard. A parent that's never been in the picture. Financial struggles. Mental health struggles. Relationship struggles. Life is just a struggle. It's heavy and oppressive and there doesn't seem to be a way out. Sure, redemption is possible in the Hollywood stories. That's why we run to them as an escape. But in my life, man, redemption's not possible. I don't know what my life is arcing toward, but it certainly isn't good. 
One of the great lies of Satan is that what we are currently going through right now is unique to us. We felt like that as a culture, like, like COVID, this is the first time. Yeah, we know it's happened in the past, but this is unique to us. But yeah, when we look at history, for hundreds and thousands of years, pandemics have been a reality. This is not a unique struggle. So, okay, we can acknowledge that. But what about my particular sin and situation and struggles? Nobody can relate to this. And what happens when we believe that lie is we sit in it. We let our life be guided by it. And then shame comes in and our, our life is marked by shame. And, and then depression follows that and our life is marked by depression. We think, I am the only one that's ever been in this situation. But listen clearly to me. If you feel that this morning, you're not that unique. Everybody, everybody that has ever lived and taken a breath has faced battles that you have faced, has thought the same things that you are thinking. Every human has a need to be free, to be free from sins, to be free from fear, to be free from our anxiety and our circumstances. And there's a reason that the Bible has story after story of redemption. Because God wants us to know that he has a plan a plan with you and me in mind. The Bible speaks to redemption because, number one, sin is real. Everybody misses the mark. Everybody fails. And number two, sin, the results of that sin, are always the same. Sin always traps, it always binds, it always destroys. Sin is real, sin is destructive, but here's the good news that is true. God is is in the business of redemption, of freeing people from their sin. So if you're looking for a life change, God has a plan, and there is nothing anyone or anybody or yourself can do to change that plan, to mess that plan up. If you haven't read the Bible before, I just want to share three real quick stories of redemption that are are powerful through scripture that points us forward to God's plan. The, one, the first is this man named Joseph. Lavelle shared about Joseph last week. This is a man, a young man who was sold into slavery by his brothers into a foreign country. And so he tries to make the most of the situation that he's in, and he tries to be a good servant, but then he's accused by the king's wife of impropriety, and so then, having done nothing wrong, he's thrown into jail for years, sold into slavery by his brothers, wrongfully imprisoned, left to rot in jail. But the story of God's redemption in his life was just getting started. And if you know the story, Joseph gets freed from jail, becomes a privileged leader in the society, number two to the king himself. And then one day, his brothers show up looking for food, thinking he's long gone. And the story of redemption's not done. Because now, despite the evil that had been done to him in his childhood, God is going to use him for his good purposes. And as the story goes, Joseph saves an entire nation from famine. And he looks at his brothers uh, uh, when they realize what they had done to him and that, that now he's the most, one of the most powerful men in the country. And he looks at them and he says with all truthfulness, 
He says, Genesis 50, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for, to be good. In other words, God had a plan even through our, my pain. And it's true for you as well. The story of Ruth is a beautiful story where her, she loses her husband and her family members, other family members die. And it's just her and her mother-in-law and they travel back to her husband's country of origin, her mother-in-law's country of origin, Israel. And she's a foreigner. She sticks out, but she's so loyal and so honoring of her mother-in-law that a plan comes into focus where she remarries and she continues the family line of her mother-in-law that ultimately leads to King David and ultimately leads to Jesus himself. God had a plan for this woman named Ruth. And the plan was to work through her obedience and to redeem her from her situation. One of the craziest stories of redemption is from a man who ends up writing a good portion of the Bible, a guy named Paul, who hated Christians so much that he had them killed. He had them persecuted. And one day, because God had a plan, he knocks Paul off his horse, <laughs> blinds him, and says, what are you doing? You thought you were fighting for me, but you were fighting against me. Come, be adopted, be part of my family, be a part of my mission. And God's plan comes to pass. So if your life story was arcing toward redemption, what would that redemption look like? Would you recognize it? What would you have to do to receive the redemption of God and his plan in your life? To be free from your sin and from the situations that you find yourself in. The biblical stories of redemption, they all point us toward the only one who can truly free us from the sin that trips entangles us. Look back at the passage you read in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7 and 8. This is the answer to redemption. Ephesians 1, 7 and 8 says this, In him, Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Through Jesus, we can be free for, from our sins because God loves us so much that he aimed all of his grace in our direction. This was the primary mission of Jesus, to rescue and redeem. To rescue us from our sin. When we sin, we have to pay the penalty of that sin. This is demonstrated in the real world around us. If you go and steal from somebody, you're going to have to pay that back. Either by spending time in jail or by paying for the things that you stole. This is just a reality of our world. If you take somebody's life, you will have to pay penance for the life that you took. So in, even in our secular world, we understand that sin has consequences. But the roots of sin are not physical roots. It's not just wiring in our brain or things that we do impulsively. The roots of sin are spiritual. Our sinful behavior is evidence of our sinful heart. Before you do something, it has to be a thought. It has to come from some place deep within you. So if sin is a spiritual issue, how can you make penance? How can you pay for? How can you atone for your sins? In the Old Testament, we see laws that are set up. We see animal sacrifices that must be 
acted out on. We see religious rituals. All of these are designed to help atone for sins, but there's one problem. All of these physical acts meant to atone for spiritual sickness of sin don't really work. Nobody can do it perfectly. None of them can fully erase the stain and the grip of sin. In fact, the law itself in the Old Testament was designed to highlight that fact, that we are powerless to overcome sin ourselves. So if sin is a spiritual problem, then the real solution to sin is also spiritual. And this is where Jesus comes in. God in a bod. God who is spirit came in the flesh to settle our sin debt once and for all. We just finished a series in 1 Peter, and I'm reminded of 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19 that speaks to this. He reminds us that our redemption isn't paid for with money or some sort of worldly payment system, but it's been paid by the sinless sacrifice of Jesus, who is willing to take on our debt of sin to pay it for us, to die with it so that we could be free from our sin. A sinless life exchanged for a sinful life. This is what true redemption looks like. It's a rescue from our sin and a redeeming from its consequences. So now, for those that believe in Jesus, we are no longer known by our sin nature, but by our redeemed identity. Amen? Jesus came to rescue and redeem. The redemption of God is something that he has done through Jesus, but this is really important. We're invited to participate in the redemption. When Frodo was chosen to bear the ring, he didn't just then go, well, I'll just sit here and see what happens. He then had to set out and participate in the act of redemption. Lavelle did a great job last week unpacking this picture of redemption as he highlighted the story of Moses. And here's what I think most folks need to know. When we look at the sinful world around us and people that are up close in our lives that are continually doing evil things and continually hurting us and harming us, we often think that we need to tell them that they're a sinner. But the reality is, is everybody knows that. Even if they don't use that language, we all know about our deficiencies, about where we come up short, about where we're weak. People don't often need to be told that they're a sinner. What they need to be told is that there is a redeemer. That there is somebody who can pay the penalty of their sin, that can loose the grip of sin on their life. I have spent personally time with murderers and abusers and drug addicts. I've spent countless hours with folks that are in crisis in their marriages. I've literally driven someone to a courthouse to be arraigned and put into jail. And in almost every situation when people are facing the consequences of their sin, they ask me this one question. What should I do? What should I do? What can I do? My first answer is usually, I don't know what steps you should take, what actions you should take, 
but I know somebody that you should meet. His name is Jesus. He's the Redeemer. He can take the sin that has caused you to live in this way, that has broken your marriage, that has, has led you into addiction. He can take that and he can free you from the bondage of it. And then what happens next? I don't know, but I know that God has a plan, a plan for your life. And if you just trust him and follow him, he is a redeemer. He will make something beautiful out of this broken situation. I've seen it time and time again. Murder, abuser, addict, failed marriage, whatever it is, God can and God will. So the first step to take is know Jesus. When you truly know Jesus and understand what he has done to rescue and redeem you from your sin, then you will know what to do. Joseph, when he met his brothers, he goes, I know what to do to forgive them. Ruth, when she was faced with a decision whether to stay or go, she knew what to do to honor her mother-in-law. Paul literally had a fresh prince experience. His life was flipped, turned upside down, right? Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. That's okay. In Jesus, our redemption means freedom, freedom from our sin. And that freedom then leads to transformation. If we stopped for a minute and I had each person just turn and begin to share their story, those that have placed their faith in Jesus, of what God has done in their life, it would be hours, hours of stories of redemption. Our spiritual redemption in Christ produces a real-life change. And this is the difference between people who go to church and people who belong to Jesus. There's a lot of people in our culture that say, I'm a Christian, they'll check the box on the census. Or if, they, if they're asked what their faith is, they say, oh, I'm a Christian. But there isn't as many people who said, I belong to Jesus. He is my Redeemer. The church is my family. Forgiven is my identity. I hope that's you this morning. I hope that you, the arc of redemption in your life is because of what Jesus has done, not because of a building or an event that you're a part of. I know many of you here, but I don't know all of you. I don't know where each of you are at. I don't know what sin has you trapped because we're good at hiding sin. But let me close by sharing three things that you should know about God's redemption. Number one is, know about God's redemption that it's never too late to receive it. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. It doesn't matter what age you are, your station in life, or whether you've gone to church your whole life pretending to be a Christian. God is patiently waiting for you. I've literally baptized somebody that was 101 years old that made a commitment to Christ at the end of their life. Know that God's redemption, that there is, it is never too late to receive it. Number two, know that God's posture toward you, like the way that he views you right now, when you're lost in your sin, when you're willfully disobeying him, know that when God looks at you, he looks at you with kindness, with compassion. 
with a heart for you to be part of his family. And if you have ever believed something else, you're not believing the God of the Bible. God's posture toward you is good. We just read, he's patient with you. That's just one part of his heart. Romans 2, 4 says, his kindness leads us to repentance. Not his anger, not the street guy on the sign saying, turn or burn. It is the kindness of God that leads us to this redemption, to the repentance, to the turning away of this old life, and to the yes and amen of this new identity. Galatians 5.22, do you know this one? But the fruit of the Spirit is, you know it, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Oftentimes when we read this, we think about it as something we better do, right? I better be kind, I better be good, I better be patient, I better be faithful. But the truth is, it is the fruit of the Spirit, the Spirit of God. This is who God is, and this is what he aims in our direction, that he is good, that he is kind, that he is faithful, that he is patient. This is his heart toward us. This is who he is, and this is what he wants to give to us, his fruit, his nature. So God's redemption, know that it's not too late to receive it. Know that God's posture toward you is good. And lastly, know that God's grace is for all people. And that includes you. Titus chapter 2 says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Say that with me. All people. One more time. All people. That's the salvation of God. It's for all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. The redemption of God is free all expenses, paid gift of a new life. One free from the power of sin and all that connects to it. Fear, anxiety, addiction, evil thoughts, even bad habits. This is what the redemption of God works for those that receive it. For those that participate in it. Whenever you watch a superhero movie, like episode one, right? Like the first superhero movie, like the origin story. You see this transformation begin to happen. And and by the end of that first movie, they've just finally started to live differently, that superhero. And you know what you can't wait for? Episode two. (laughs) And three and four and however much money they're going to make, right? Why is that? Because... Because this new life that just got going at the end of the first episode, man, you can't wait to see what amazing things happen next. And this is God's heart for you when you say yes to him, when you say, you know what, Lord? I need you to take care of the sin. I can't take care of it myself. God says, yes, let me do that. And then he begins to work in you little by little, step by step, as you live out this new identity. It is a good and beautiful thing. Our redemption has been secured. And our redemption brings something even 
greater, Ephesians 1.14, as we just read, says, it brings an inheritance, like the fullness of belonging to God. But the final freedom from this human body and the temptations that we're still faced with, and they're only ever going to fully be cut off when Jesus returns. And then we get that full inheritance of no temptation, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more wickedness. That's the final redemption that we as Christians wait for. But in the meantime, if you are bound and tangled up in sin and sinful behavior, there is real freedom from guilt and the power of it that holds you now. And there is real freedom to now love and to serve God and to be a part of his redemptive plan starting this morning. Amen? God has a plan, and he is inviting all of us, you included, to be a part of it. Would you stand with me this morning? I don't normally do old-fashioned altar call, but this morning as we close in prayer, uh, I'm going to have everybody bow their heads, and if you are ready to follow Jesus, I want to invite you to come forward so that we as a church can pray for you. I won't have everybody circle up around you necessarily, but I'll have you come forward. And so as we're closing in prayer, if that is you today, if you are ready to accept the redemption of Jesus, to start a new life with him, please come forward and I'd love to pray for you. For the rest of us, let's bow our heads right now. Lord, we thank you for your scripture. We thank you for the good news of your gospel, which we need to hear more and more each day. And Lord, if there is somebody right now who has not received you, I pray that today would be the day of a new beginning, of a fresh start, of a new life. And if that's you, please come forward. For the rest of us, Lord, I pray that we'd be reminded in a, in a world that only tells us the bad news, that we would hold on to the good news, that we are forgiven and freed, that we are loved, that it is your kindness that leads us to repentance. And Father, I pray that we would be a people that participate in your redemptive plan, that that we don't check a box on a census, but we say, I believe in Jesus. I belong to Jesus. I belong to his church. That you would use us, Lord God, for your purposes, to bring others in, to know the beautiful grace that you've given us. Thank you for it this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to sermon audio from Sunset Community Church. Sunset Community Church is located in Renton, Washington. For more information, visit our website at sunsetcommunity.church.